WDET brings Detroit to you. News that affects you and the music you love. Every day. Every day. On 1019 WDET. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. Thanks for being here. The top 1% of the nation's earners make more than 25 times that of the bottom 99%. It's an average yearly income of about a million dollars versus about 46,000. The issue of income inequality in America has sparked major protests in recent years and has shaken up the political campaigns. Bernie Sanders waged a serious challenge to Hillary Clinton's bid for the Democratic nomination on a message of political revolution predicated on closing that income gap. Here in Metro Detroit, we see the stark contrast between rich and poor all over the place. A new report from the Economic Policy Institute shows in one area in Michigan, the rich make about 25 times more than the poor, which is the national average. But it's not here in southeast Michigan. It's actually in Grand Rapids. So I wanted to have a conversation today about what is going on in Grand Rapids. We talk a lot about southeast Michigan and the things that are going on here that are changing Detroit and changing the face of the suburbs in terms of what income distribution and inequality look like. But we don't often look just across the state uh, to the west side where Grand Rapids is yet another metro area, the second largest metro area here in the state of Michigan, and see what that what things look like from their point of view. So joining me to talk about that is Joe Jones, who's the president and CEO of the Grand Rapids Urban League, also a Grand Rapids City Commissioner. Joe, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you very much, Stephen. Yeah. Uh, so tell us a little about what is going on in Grand Rapids. What uh, w- Things here are changing rapidly, right? We're getting lots of new businesses and investment in our downtown and midtown. Lots of new people are moving into the city, and that's changing the income inequality picture in some ways that, that concern some folks, make some people uh, get excited about uh, new tax revenue and things like that. Compare Grand Rapids to uh, Detroit. I think what what we have going on in Grand Rapids is there is also uh, substantial growth uh, within the city, in particular in the urban core, where you have, um, you know, a, a renaissance of sort. Uh, neighborhoods are, you know, which have historically been occupied by uh, those who are disenfranchised, um, are now seeing uh, greater activity. Um, you know, that can, I think, quickly translate to uh, gentrification. And there's uh, what we see is, I think, what's being seen around the country, which is you have uh, poverty changing zip codes, um, which uh, the zip code being you have folks who have, who are in the city who are now um, migrating out to the first ring suburbs. And so you have first ring suburbs that are seeing um, greater numbers in terms of those who are impoverished. And the city is, again, kind of going through a, a metamorphosis. And you know, when when uh, I'd actually seen this report, I'm a follower of City Lab, and and um, and uh, was in many ways not too surprised because first and foremost, the significant wealth that we have in mm-hmm. Grand Rapids and West Michigan, the, there's no secret. But but I think uh, Stephen, I think what this does is it's a great opportunity to kind of let the the state and the and the country know that you know we have problems and issues here in Grand Rapids as well. I think. Um, historically, 
the thought is that, you know, everything is just fine in Grand Rapids, and I'm not trying to provide any sort of doomsday uh, report or scenario. However, we have, you know, we have abject poverty here. We have pockets of poverty that equate to, or if not greater than that of metropolitan or, or inner city Detroit. And so I think this is a great opportunity to kind of shine some light on that and, and look at some solutions, because I think the resources are here to bring about a greater sense of equity. Yeah. But uh, it's just going to take uh, a, a it's going to take work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I also want to welcome to the conversation uh, Karen Holcomb-Merrill, who is the vice president of the Michigan League for Public Policy. Karen, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Good morning to you both. Yeah. Uh, 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 Karen, uh, address this idea of income inequality in cities like Detroit and Grand Rapids. Uh, this report says uh, the gap is wider in Grand Rapids than it is in Detroit, something that I, I think uh, surprised it surprised me a bit, uh, might surprise uh, some other folks. But it's certainly not that one city has the problem and the other doesn't. Uh, this is This is something that we're seeing uh, not just crop up in in both places, but uh, but change. It's changing as the demographics change, as investment and uh, and development change these urban centers. Uh, income inequality takes on a, a different sort of texture or dynamic. Yeah, I think it's important to note that the in, um, income inequality is obviously a national problem and a state problem. Um, and, you know, and here in Michigan, you know, we sort of see the spotlight on Grand Rapids and Detroit. Um, one of the things I, you know, that didn't surprise me, I guess, and when you look at the gap between the top 1% and the bottom 99% in Grand Rapids, for example, you know, part of the reason why that gap is so much larger than Detroit is because the top number, um, the average amount for folks in that 1% is higher, which is probably not surprising when you look at the city of Grand Rapids and you look at the healthcare industry and, um, and the folks that are moving into Grand Rapids, um, that, you know, isn't probably surprising that the, the top earners in Grand Rapids on average would be making more money than the top earners um, in Detroit would be. When you look at the bottom 99% in both Grand Rapids and Detroit, on average, it's about forty-two, forty-one thousand, forty-two thousand $42,000 that the bottom 99% are making. So I think the reason why we see a larger gap in Grand Rapids is really because the top 1% is making more money um, than the top 1% in Detroit, which, again, I don't think is particularly surprising. Yeah. You know, from our perspective at the league, you know, um, these are both cities in Michigan, and these are, you know, the income inequality, the, the widening gap is not an accident. And a lot of it is tied into statewide policy and decisions that have been made, um, decisions that can be made going forward that will either shrink that gap or make it continue to be worse. Yeah. Uh, Karen, uh, t- talk a little more about those policy decisions and the things that are, that are being done or not done that are exacerbating that gap. There are obviously a lot of things that a state can do that will increase the gap or decrease the gap. And here in Michigan, for example, you know, our tax structure is one that's very regressive, um, which means that, you know, for folks that make less money, that they're more impacted by our tax structure than those that, that are on the upper income level. Um, and under the current administration, the, you know, the, there's been a shift of, of who pays taxes. Um, you know, that shift has been away from businesses. It's been more towards lower income folks. Um, 
there is a tax credit, a national tax credit that we have here in Michigan called the Earned Income Tax Credit. That's something that really helps lower-income folks. Um, that has been cut pretty dramatically um, under the current administration. Those are things that have a real impact on how folks are doing in our, our urban areas. Um, and, and I think really what is key is to think about how are we preparing people to have jobs that are not just jobs, but are jobs that are family-sustaining jobs. Right, jobs that allow you to maybe get ahead, right? Um, move, move from one economic station to another. I mean, that's, that's, that's what's become so elusive. Yeah, I mean, that's critically important. I mean, here in Michigan, in the last couple of years, some folks have been saying, you know, unemployment has plummeted in Michigan, you know, since the Great Recession. Well, that's great, but that doesn't tell the story of, you know, what kind of jobs do people have? Are they making half the amount of money they did before the recession? Are they without benefits that they might have had? Are they only working part-time? Those are all things that are impacted by state policy decisions. So that's going to affect folks in both Grand Rapids and Detroit. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guests are Joe Jones, who is the president and CEO of the Grand Rapids Urban League and a Grand Rapids City Commissioner. Also on the line, Karen Holcomb-Merrill, vice president of the Michigan League for Public Policy. We are talking about income inequality, income inequality in cities in Michigan. A recent study showed, looked state by state at uh, places where the gap between the haves and the have-nots is the widest when they look at Michigan, they discovered that Grand Rapids had a wider gap than uh, Southeast Michigan, than Detroit did. Uh, And so we're talking about poverty and how it plays out in these two big urban centers uh, here in the state of Michigan. Uh, Joe, I want to ask you about the similarities between Grand Rapids and Detroit when it comes to the impact of the policies that Karen was just talking about. Of course, here, uh, the disinvestment in the city over long periods of time uh, along with lots of other factors, uh, population lost and, and, and other things, led us to uh, an historic bankruptcy. Uh, and the city still really struggles to keep up with uh, providing services. And lots of those services, of course, uh, benefit uh, lower income people who are, of course, more dependent on those services in some cases than, than wealthier people. Uh, paint a picture for us of how that looks in Grand Rapids, the the, the reductions in uh, revenue sharing, for instance, the the disinvestment in the earned income tax credit, what is that doing yeah. uh, in your city? I think it has it, it's had a devastating effect. Uh, I think to Karen's point, the the reduct the, the tremendous reduction in the uh, EITC, uh, we've seen it uh, firsthand here. Uh, you know that is, I think some people take for granted that. You know, maybe a couple thousand dollars that one is able to obtain uh, with that credit, that, that tax credit, sometimes more. And you know, it's it's uh, that quite often can be the you know the the sustainer uh, for a family. And and uh, yet it it uh, I think has been batted around like a tennis ball in Lansing. Um, and there's just this the 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 decision that it just is something that needs to be put on the back burner or not. Uh, invested in um, like it should be. And I think that, again, we feel the ill effects of it, as does, I think, any urban center um, in the state of Michigan. And, you know, what's, what's I think, uh, unique about Grand Rapids is, you know, compared to Detroit, well, first of all, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that I was not pleased with 
the decision of City Lab to have a picture of Detroit. I'm a native Detroiter, uh, born and raised in the D. <laughs> right. So that kind of ticked me off, and I saw the picture of Detroit. Um, you know, yet you know, Grand Rapids was was the leader in the state. Right. For right. They did pick and, a Detroit picture. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't cool. Uh, but uh, I, I think that um, you know, whereas Detroit has had historically a disinvestment in the uh, you know in, in property and the the city as a whole, I. That's not been the case in Grand Rapids. Uh, we've had, uh, I think, tremendous investment within the city, maybe not as great as an investment in the urban core. Uh, and again, that's certain pockets. I think that what has been uh, been our plight is really a disinvestment in the human capital, uh, not so much the the uh, the physical, uh, you know, the, the the land or the you know the the, the physical capital. And uh-huh. So. I think we're seeing the ill effects of that, and in particular uh, within uh, communities of color, disenfranchised communities. And we have, again, it's 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 not something that we're super proud of, but we have pockets um, in the city of Grand Rapids where African American unemployment is fifty-two percent. Uh, where Latino uh, unemployment is north of thirty-one percent. Right. Um, and that's just something that you know it's. I think we're at a place right now where we're seeing that as both embarrassing and even beyond that, unacceptable. And so there are a number of uh, players right now involved in trying to turn that around. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the likes of the Kellogg Foundation, who have you know made Grand Rapids part of their, if they're one of their focused places uh, within Michigan, along with Detroit and Battle Creek. And so you know we're seeing that type of investment, not just from the likes of Kellogg Foundation, but a number of local uh, funders and foundations that see real opportunity to to turn it around because I think what what Grand Rapids represents we are I think working very hard to be the best medium-sized city in America and I think our size and our demographic and our population really makes for a really good recipe for success or kind of showing how you can turn it around but we have to obviously first turn it around yeah Yeah. Uh, Let's take a break here. And when I come back, I'll continue my conversation with uh, Joe Jones, president and CEO of the Grand Rapids Urban League, and Karen Holcomb-Merrill, vice president of the Michigan League for Public Policy. We're talking about income inequality here in the state of Michigan. We'll take your calls as well. 313-577-1019. If you want to join the conversation, stay with us on Detroit Today. listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and thanks for being here. My guests are Joe Jones, who's the president and CEO of the Grand Rapids Urban League and a Grand Rapids City Commissioner. Also, Karen Holcomb-Merrill, vice president of the Michigan League for Public Policy. We're talking about a report uh, on income inequality in the United States, looks state by state at which cities have the widest gap between the haves and the have-nots. Here in Michigan, the study found that Grand Rapids had the widest gap wider than the one we see here in southeast Michigan. Uh, Karen, I want to ask you about this this sort of human impact of income inequality in Grand Rapids and and other cities. Uh, What are the things that we see in terms of consequence for the fact that some people have so much and others have so little? Well, what we're seeing is because the wealth is 
just, you know, among the 1%, so to speak, um, that what we have here in, in Grand Rapids and in Detroit and, frankly, all across Michigan is we still have a lot of folks that are struggling to meet basic needs, that are struggling to put food on the table, that are struggling to find housing that they can afford. Um, and, and that's obviously impacting them and their families, but it's also impacting communities as a whole. Um, you know, Joe was talking about pockets of, of, of high unemployment in Grand Rapids, and, you know, that's true in Detroit as well. And um, when folks either don't have jobs or they have jobs that don't pay enough or they're part-time or they don't have benefits, you know, it's very hard to, to sustain a family on that. Um, and sometimes that leads to greater reliance on government assistance programs, which we think are critically important when folks need that. Um, but I think we would all agree what we would love is to have folks have enough education and enough training that they can sustain and thrive themselves and their families and and give back to the communities. And um, as long as we have this huge gap of haves and haves not, we continue to have here in Michigan a, a lot of folks that are not a part of the so-called economic recovery, are not a part of what Governor Snyder calls being the comeback state. There are a lot of families and folks in both Detroit and Grand Rapids that are not experiencing that comeback. Yeah. Uh, Joe, talk about as uh, as CEO of the Urban League, which I know is very focused on providing for those folks uh, at the bottom end of the economic scale and trying to make up for those gaps. Talk about uh, what you're seeing there in terms of things getting better or worse. I think things are are, are definitely uh, pointing in the direction of, of improvement. Uh, we have historically, we're a 73-year-old affiliate um, here in, in Michigan and one of 95 nationally. Our national office is about 106 years old. And, you know, historically, one of our pillars has been about, you know, um, employment and training. And we're all about, you know, really looking at civil rights through the lens of economic self-sufficiency and, and self-reliance. And, and I think that, um, again, historically, we've, we've provided direct service. We are really um, in a space now here in Grand Rapids where the Urban League, we're trying to, and we have been engaging at the systems level, uh, recognizing that it, this requires a two-prong approach. We can continue to provide direct service and do our best to get folks trained and getting jobs, but even beyond getting a job, you know, actually retaining, like, you know, actually staying there. And so we're, we're kind of looking at this uh, issue uh, through a couple of different lenses. And one that I think is overlooked quite often is, you know, we can get, we, we can get folks trained and ready and excited about work, but if they're stepping into a hostile work environment, it, it, nobody wins. And by that, I mean, we have, you know, more and more employers, not just here, but uh, throughout the country where you, know, you have uh, folks who are of color who are stepping into these, these jobs and they have, these are environments in which they're not necessarily conducive to diversity and inclusion. And so it's, it's new for a lot of, you know, managers and middle managers who are having interaction with with folks and it becomes hostile and no one wants to work in a hostile work environment and we don't necessarily advocate for that and so we are trying to look at it through uh, again from a systems level and really trying to do our work and trying to make it you know something that you know once someone does 
is fortunate enough to get employment and, 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 and making a really, really good wage that they can sustain it. Because then everybody wins. The, the worker wins. The employer wins. The community benefits. And so it's really about looking at it through a couple of different lenses these days. Yeah. Uh, that, that point about diversity. Diversity is one of the things that's changing uh, in Grand Rapids in a way that I think is sort of different from here in Detroit. Uh, your, your, your demographics are really sort of quickly starting to look very different. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. We, um, our black uh, population in Grand Rapids is about 21%. Uh, white uh, population is about 68%. And then the, the vast majority of, of, uh, of the, the, the number that's left, about 11%, is Latino. We tend to believe it's, it's higher than that um, based on uh, the issue of, of um, documentation. But we have a growing Latino population that I think will soon um, surpass that of the Latino uh, of the African American population, and so uh, we are expecting, you know, uh, this this ongoing change uh, again with the population. But we are working feverishly to make sure that the systems that are in play here are meeting the needs of this uh, this this diverse population. Yeah, and it, I mean it creates new kinds of uh, tensions that require different kinds of approaches. Uh, Joe Jones, president and CEO of Grand Rapids Urban League, uh, Grand Rapids City Commissioner, and Karen Holcomb-Merrill, vice president of the Michigan League for Public Policy. Thank you both for being here on Detroit Today. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Uh, That's going to do it for us uh, today. I will be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. Our show is produced by Laura Weber Davis, Jake Neer, Amy Miller, and Art Regner. Program director is Joan Isabella, technical director and engineer Matthew Trevethan, and that wonderful Detroit Today theme song was composed by WDET's Sam Bobian. Uh, this is 1019 WDET Detroit, Wayne State's public radio station. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>